You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's going on? It's your boy. You guys know by now, Sosa Kermenjas, a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I got a special episode for you guys today. This week, there's no Brad Motter. Our guy Brad is a little bit busy. He's... um performing a cross-country move a little bit. So, uh, Brad, I know you're listening. Best of luck, my friend. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll we'll reconvene in a few weeks. But up until then, uh, you know, we're going to have to keep this thing going. And I got a special guest with me today, somebody that I've known for a long time. I've discussed Rams content, Rams football for over a decade now, which is a pretty long time. And um, it's my guy, Max Quinn, a radio maker, a podcast host, musician, and a Rams fan. From down under, Sydney, Australia, my man Max, how are you doing? So, so I am so stoked to be here with you on the Locked On Rams podcast. What an exciting thing. And yeah, like, I don't think we should go too much further without establishing a timeline. Like, you and I go so far back. And we were talking about this just before we started. Like, how wild is it that we've been in each other's orbit for maybe a decade? And this is the first time that we are talking one-on-one. It's pretty crazy. Um, the internet is a beautiful thing. It, it brings together a lot of fans, discourse and discussion. And, you know, Max and I were both part of the same Rams forum over a decade ago at this point. It's uh, shout out Clan Ram if you guys are still doing your thing over there. And, uh, you know, we used to discuss everything about the Rams. But um, that's exactly what we're going to do today. Like we always do on the Locked on Rams podcast. Uh, we've got three interesting topics for three different segments, like always. We're going to begin with the Stafford angle. You guys have heard me talk about Matthew Stafford probably a little bit too much by now, but um, we're going to get Max's take on it and just kind of see where he's at with that and how he thinks Stafford is going to fit in this new offense. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to kind of look at something a little bit unique in terms of how the Rams are always trading these draft picks, specifically these first rounders, and whether or not they maybe just don't value them, which seems to be the consensus opinion, and whether we think that's you know, sustainable moving forward. And then in the last segment, we're actually going to pick one offensive free agent and one defensive free agent, kind of like our wish list for the team moving forward in 2021. So I mentioned we're going to begin with the Stafford stuff. And you guys have heard me talk about it a lot in the past, you know, three, four weeks now since it's happened. Um, I talked about the PFF quarterback annual stuff, all that good stuff. And so you guys know where I'm at with it. You know, I think Jared Goff was a solid league average quarterback. And I think Jared Goff time with the team just kind of started to feel a little bit like it was going in a circle. You know, they weren't really going anywhere. And so I obviously agreed with the move and I love the aggression of Les Snead to go out and get a guy like Stafford and try to take that next step in terms of going to get that Lombardi. And, you know, I think the quarterback improvement is going to be a big thing for the offense and for the team in general. So my man, Max, I've been talking a little bit too much now. Why don't you share your opinion on just how, you know, you think Stafford is going to fit in this offense and whether you ultimately like the move and think it's going to turn out to be worth it. Well, yeah, I think it's the only move that the franchise could have made given the point that they were at with Jared Goff. And for me, the thing that makes this a really dynamic and exciting trade is going back and watching some of that pre-injury 
2019 Matthew Stafford tape because I think that's maybe where like the most accurate representation of what we're in for in 2021 might lie because what you're looking at is like a resourced quarterback who is playing in a system that gives him options which is why I'm looking at 2019 and not 2020 which uh I don't know how much Lions tape that you watched this year so so but it was a toilet season yeah you know I uh I went back to watch a handful of games here and there mostly his best games but also some of his worst and I mean yeah like you mentioned he didn't even have his number one receiver out there Kenny Galladay only played in five games this season you know Matt Patricia gets fired offensive coordinator gets fired no one's retained so you know that typically will tell you just what you got to think about the offense and the team in general they weren't very successful really on any aspect of of the offense or, or the team in general and so you know I think that not expecting Stafford to take a step forward is kind of a mistake. I feel like a lot of people aren't really looking at it in terms of, okay, you know, Stafford's a 33-year-old guy. I understand that, you know, 33-year-old players typically don't have anything left in the tank in terms of potential, but this is different. You know, I look at this like the Atlanta Falcons, and someone brought this up to me on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a really, really great comparison. He said, why is nobody looking at this move like we looked at the Atlanta Falcons with Kyle Shanahan and without Kyle Shanahan, because, you know, Matt Ryan was in a similar boat. He was a very solid quarterback, top 10 in some years, top 12 in some others. And then he gets Kyle Shanahan, puts together an MVP season. They get to the Super Bowl. They should have won the Super Bowl, you know, if they don't have some blunders there and they don't go against uh, Tom Mm. Terrific. But then again, Kyle Shanahan takes off. He gets the head coaching job and Ryan kind of regresses back into that top 12, top 13, 14, whatever you call it, quarterback. And I think that's going to be a similar case here with Matt Stafford. So where do you think, you know, the Rams are going to improve now with Stafford coming to the fray? Do you think anything in particular that excites you about the addition in terms of maybe even a philosophical difference between a guy like Jared Goff and a guy like Matthew Stafford? Yeah, like this is what really stuck out to me in watching this tape. Like, I think I truly have forgotten what it was like to watch a real rugged, quarterback you know like I know that uh Matt Stafford has had his history with injuries over time but there's a a, there's a brittleness to a guy like Jared Goff or even going back Rams fans someone like Sam Bradford over the years where you would just kind of uh, there was a little bit of a fear there almost if I could even encourage you to go back and watch week three against the Eagles last year just the first three pass attempts that Stafford makes uh, against the Eagles last year and tell me that you feel confident that Jared Thomas Goff would even attempt the same kind of throws you know like this is a man who engenders entirely different kind of adjectives to Jared Goff like so so if we were comparing Goff to Stafford and I said to you the quarterback in question the one who I'm describing is a gunslinger which one is it yeah it's definitely not Goff right 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 what about fearless pocket passer are you talking about Jared Goff nope No, and this is not to make fun of Goff, but, you know, like he obviously throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the league from an unencumbered pocket. But it is to say that philosophically, Goff is maybe an incompatible quarterback for the way that the Rams have built their franchise. And, you know, if we're to think about that philosophy, this is a roster built on key game-changing pillars, you know, Ramsey, Donald, Cup, Woods, now Stafford, and a roster that looks to those pillars to elevate the play of its whole pluggers and draft picks, right? And Goff was not doing that behind, let's say, a medium good offensive line with one of the sharpest minds in the game as his head coach. And so now we switch into a different pillar and we hope that it's better. And looking at that Stafford tape, the concepts, the schemes, you can totally see why McVay wanted this man 
under center. Like not only is he someone who can make every throw and improvise, he's also good at the kind of things that we know McVay likes to do. Like we're looking at a lot of shotgun formation, a lot of bunch, quick screens. This is the bread and butter of the Sean McVay offense that we have seen over the last couple of seasons. But what he adds is this extra dimension of being able to run plays under center firstly, but then able to like being able to navigate what happens when the play breaks down. You know, this is a man who literally at different points in the game points at his blockers, points at his receivers and says, come with me. And I just, I don't recall a time with a Rams quarterback, maybe since Mark Bolger that I have seen uh, a quarterback do that and get a pass off accurately. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I think you touched it uh, pretty well there, you know, and it's a different discussion. I never thought about it in terms of, you know, the Rams are a team essentially built on stars, right? And they got that heavy roster up top with, you know, guys you mentioned like Donald and Ramsey and all these other names. And Stafford fits that mold. He's, you know, a guy that's going to be living in that LA spotlight now, very different than Michigan. And, you know, neither of us are Americans, but I'm pretty sure we both know the difference between Mm. Detroit, Michigan and Los Angeles, California. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the offense. I think they're going to improve. I think most fans, most analysts, and really anyone that's kind of involved with the NFL is expecting for the offense to take a big step forward. And it makes sense that they will because the Rams don't go out and trade two first-round picks and a third-round pick and a quarterback and eat $23 million in dead money to get a marginal upgrade. You know, they're obviously looking at this as a big step forward, and I think mm-hmm. that's ultimately what it's going to be. And I'm glad that we got to touch on that because in the next segment, we're going to talk about the lack of first-round picks from the Los Angeles Rams, whether they value these picks, whether they just look at them differently than other NFL teams do, and whether we think this is kind of a sustainable way to build your roster moving forward throughout the rest of their tenure. While we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find Max at Max Quinn. And you can find the page at Locked On Rams. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Los Angeles Rams, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday edition of your Locked On Rams pod. I've got my guy Max Quinn here with me. We go way back. We talked about it in the intro, and I'm excited to finally get to talk to him. And, you know, the more I connect with Rams fans on Twitter and wherever else it may be, I'm genuinely shocked, you know, at just how far fandom spreads you you got myself out of canada max and australia we've got a big following in united kingdom you know a lot of rams fans in the united kingdom and ironically enough this podcast is actually the 29th most popular sports podcast in south korea so shout out south korea i don't know if you guys are listening right now (laughs) i don't know (laughs) what what time it is in uh in in south korea right now but uh shout out to you guys man thank you guys for supporting so um, you know, we're going to get back into this now. I mentioned uh, prior to the break that we're going to look at philosophically just how the Rams, their front office, general manager, Les need, how they look at these picks and specifically the first round picks. Obviously, the Rams have traded a lot of them away for, you know, 
star players and guys that are established in the league. We've seen Jalen Ramsey, two first round picks, uh, Matthew Stafford now two first round picks, as well as a third and a starting quarterback in football. You know, we've seen a, a lot of different trades, first round pick for Brandon Cooks, a third round pick, and I believe a fifth rounder. I can't remember exactly for a guy like Dante Fowler. The Rams clearly, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily they don't value these picks, but maybe they're interested in building teams with a different avenue, you know, trying to use all their resources as opposed to the prototypical, let's draft our guys, let's develop them, we're going to do it this way, and, you know, we're stuck in our old ways, and we don't want to have the optics of, you know, trading away picks and maybe something failing, and then the media kind of bashing you for it. So I like the way that they're aggressive, and, you know, I'll kind of interject here after you, but what do you think of just, you know, how they approach this kind of stuff? Do you think that they maybe just don't value first-round picks or picks in general as much as certain other NFL teams do? And do you think ultimately this is maybe sustainable for them moving forward? It's really interesting, right? Because it's the opposite of what we were told was the right way to do things when we were coming up watching this. Particularly, you know, I remember people talking about Ted Thompson and the way that he built that roster in Green Bay. You remember the year it was like 50 players that they had drafted and Julius Peppers on the team. And you were told like, this is, you know, you accrue your picks and develop your talent and then you keep them. And that's how you have continuity. And this approach from the Rams is either, or you can go one of two ways, right? It's either incredibly cerebral and, uh, something that will change football and the way that we do business forever, or it's an approach that will ensure many years of misery as a Rams fan further down the line. And it's it's a it's a weird thing to sort of hold in your head that the Rams' philosophy with draft picks seems to be you know a bird in the hand is is better than. And when you come from particularly that era of Rams fandom when the draft was all we had, like I remember. And actually, this is probably a good time to give you props, Sosa. Like, you've been on this Rams grind for a very, very long time. And to watch you make a career out of it here on the Locked On Rams podcast and with PFF is so uh, encouraging. A great reminder, if you're listening, to uh, to go after it and go get it if this is something that you want to do. But back in the day, I remember, so as you talking about, like, AJ Green or Juju Smith-Schuster, like, they were, like, Bitcoin, bro. You were like, these are the guys you got to invest in. And clearly you were right, but six years now without a first round draft pick does something to a fan, you know? And from that perspective, I really, I really miss the draft. I miss my enthusiasm for looking for that next best prospect and watching all the YouTube clips and, you know, like there's no chance that the Rams are going to draft the the best of any kind of player, uh, or at least what is projected to be the best of any kind of player this year or, you know, for any of the last number of years. And I think that trying to adjust and thinking about the premium that the Rams place on first-round draft picks versus how they have been traditionally valued is challenging, and it's hard to get your head around, and winning is ultimately what matters. And look, cool, Uh, all of my friends are getting excited about the draft, and I'm like, we got Jared Goff five years ago, and we're still somehow paying for him, and he took us to a Super Bowl, and it's it's good, ultimately, but it's also really challenging because I want to get more excited about the draft than I currently am. Yeah, I totally resonate with you there. Coming into the, into the football thing and, you know, just trying to cover the NFL, the draft was the first thing that kind of pushed me towards that. Uh, obviously, I liked football way before the draft, but like you said, mm. and I'm glad you kind of 
put it into like money terms and Bitcoin thing is it's fun to pick your guys pre-draft, you know, stake your claim. This is my guy. I think this guy's going to, you know, take the next step, whatever it may be. And then look back in two, three, five, eight years and be like, oh, I was high on that guy or, oh, I missed on that guy. And, you know, we obviously don't get to see that very much with the Rams specifically in the first round. And so that always makes the first day of the draft, I guess, boring, especially if you don't really care about other teams. Um, you know, I still find it fascinating. I still watch a lot of players and try to find guys that I think are going to do well, regardless of whether the Rams are going to have any chance of getting them or not. But yeah, you know, the first draft, uh, the first round of the draft is not that fun. And, you know, it, it feels like half of it is like insanity, while the other half is like, you know, I very much resonate <laughs> with how they go about this roster building. Because like you mentioned, you know, back in the day, 10 years yeah. ago, that predates less need. It was very boring. It was like, Billy Devaney, you know, we're going to draft our guys, we're going to develop them. And nine times out of 10, they drafted these guys and they sucked and they didn't develop them at all. And that's how you get to winning six games mm-hmm. over a combined three seasons. And, you know, a lot of teams still do that. That's what's fascinating to me is that on one hand, you got teams like, I don't know, maybe say the Jacksonville Jaguars who aren't trading many, you know, picks for players and they probably shouldn't be. They're not in a position to be winning football games right now, but they go about it differently and they're drafting guys with their picks and, you know, they're trading away all of their star players and, it's like, this is a team that was just in the AFC championship game, you know, two, three, whatever it was, four years ago at this point. And now their roster is completely yeah. gutted. They have essentially nothing left and they're picking first overall. And it's like, you know, I appreciate the fact that Les Need will go out and essentially put his job on the line, you know, put his personality and essentially, you know, if it doesn't work out, he's going to get slammed for it and uh, not worry about things like that. You know, go and make the moves that you think are going to improve your roster. Try and find the guys that you think are going to help you take that next step. You've seen it now with Stafford. And I don't know that you're ever going to find an upgrade as big as a quarterback. I mean, this is the most important position probably in sports, never mind football, obviously in football. But uh, I respect it, you know, and at some point it probably isn't uh, sustainable over the long haul. You know how they've done it seems kind of crazy. Seven years. It's like, you know, you might trade a first here or a first there. Seven years seems like a long time. But you can't really argue mm-hmm. with the results right now, right? You know, they've done well. They've done well at drafting guys in the middle rounds. Cooper Cup, third-round pick. John Johnson, third-round pick. Both guys are going to get paid. One of them already did. One of them is going to get paid in free agency here. You know, it's hard to argue with the results. And ultimately, I like the way that they go about it. At some point, I do agree with you too, though, that, you know, I would love to see them scale it back maybe a little bit, try and introduce some more cost-controlled talent into the team. You know, it'll help you with that salary cap issue and stuff like that. But again, you know, I totally agree with how they go about it. And uh, I think we're both kind of in the same place in terms of, you know, it's fun to make that splash move. And this is Los Angeles. This is Cali. Maybe, you know, there is some ulterior motives in terms of trying to sell tickets and and trying to be splashy and have that, you know, 30 points per game offense. Nobody wants to win game seven to three, especially in in the epicenter of the U.S. So, um, Hmm. you know, I'm glad that they go about it like this. And I do think that ultimately it's probably not sustainable, but it is very fun. And for the time being, you know, they haven't really backed themselves into a corner. And I do think that ultimately they are in a relatively good spot right now. And, you know, you, you see it across the league. I think most people would suggest that the Rams are a potential Super Bowl winner going into next season. And they've obviously positioned themselves into that spot. And that's not by accident. So um, I'm glad we got to talk about that as well. It's very interesting and fascinating to see the difference between, you know, certain teams when it comes to their roster building perspectives. In the last segment, we're going to talk about something very similar in terms of the free agency market. We're going to pick one offensive and one defensive free agent each and kind of try and make it realistic. But at the same time, you know, share our thoughts on who we would really love to see, regardless of how the salary cap is going to shake out one on offense and one on defense for the Rams in 2021. 
And make sure to keep checking back in with us at the Locked On Rams podcast. We're going to continue covering your favorite team every day, every episode here at the Locked On Rams pod. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS information. If you guys are looking for the perfect protein bar, I promise you the Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. I've lost 155 pounds over the last 27 or so months. I've tried every protein bar, snack, cookie you can imagine on the market, and there is nothing like the Built Bar. Their texture is unreal. It's kind of very cakey almost, and it feels like a brownie to some degree. It's unlike any protein bar. I can promise you that. They have so many different flavors, 18 to be exact. They're so good tasting. Uh, They're also healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar, high in fiber, and they even work for those on the keto diet. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Wednesdays on LOCKEDON NFL take a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Tony Wiggins and James Rapine are joined every week by a LOCKEDON draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh in the league. Did your team have a big rookie performance this week or are they shaping up to have a premier draft pick in the 2021 draft? Get everything you need Wednesdays on LOCKEDON NFL. Subscribe to LOCKEDON NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the final segment of this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Rams pod. I got my man Max Quinn here with me. We've went through two segments together now, and now we can kind of get a little bit unrealistic, but at the same time, we're going to try to keep it somewhat realistic here. And I did mention before the break that we're going to dive into this final segment, which is going to be both of us picking one offensive free agent and one defensive free agent that we would love to see the Rams ultimately try and add in this free agency period. Now, there is some confusion when it comes to the salary cap right now, we don't exactly know what the number is or what it's going to be. It sounds like it could ultimately not even be decided until the night before free agency opens. So that's kind of weird and obviously nothing we're like we're used to over the last decade or so. But it sounds like, you know, it's going to take a little bit of a step back, maybe 10, 15 million dollars in terms of the salary cap totals. 180 to 185 million is a possibility. And that would obviously lead the Rams and a lot of teams into the negatives before free agency even open. So that will obviously complicate things. But, you know, the Rams are right now in a negative 30-ish million spot. We've talked about many ways they can kind of get out of that hole and start to create some more cap space by restructures and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, we did that all in the past few weeks. But the Rams could ultimately find their way into some salary cap space. And if they do, and they probably will, I think a lot of teams are going to have to do very different you know, unconventional methods to create cap space this offseason, because theoretically speaking, it's likely going to pick back up to where it should have been next year, you know, post COVID and all that. And so I think teams are going to be maybe more willing to kick the can down the road, so to speak. With that being said, the Rams could find themselves in a decent position when it comes to free agency space and salary cap space. And that's why we're going to talk about one offensive and one defensive free agent here each. Max, I'll let you go first. Why don't you share, you know, who you would like to see the Rams inquire about maybe add try and add uh we'll start on offense first why don't you share your offensive free agent and then i'll i'll share mine afterwards so the offensive free agent that i think is the most sean mcveigh matt stafford option out there is Corey davis the wide receiver former first round pick from tennessee now i know we say we have to be realistic with the cap here but look we traded a first round pick to right the wrong of that hundred million dollar golf contract so i completely expect less need to take whatever he can get this season, make the cap into whatever he can, and then put it on red, baby. You know, like these are, this is a two-year window and someone like Davis, 
mirrors that thing that Matt Stafford has always had in his most successful years. You know, a big physical wide receiver who can go up and get the ball. And what the Rams have are exemplary technicians, route runners, and chain movers in Cup and Woods, and to some extent Jefferson as well, who I'm excited to see as a second-year player. But what they're missing is some of that like speed and muscle, and that's what Corey Davis has in spades. Yeah, that alpha-like mentality, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And you know what's ironic? You know, Corey Davis talking about uh, the draft and and Bitcoin was my guy. Wide receiver one a few years ago. I loved Corey Davis coming out of, I think it was Central Michigan now. I might be forgetting. Uh, And he would just be an absolute home run. I mean, the guy has developed into an absolutely star receiver. I, I could definitely see receiver being an option. And I've talked about a handful of guys that I would like to see at that spot. You know, more cheaper options, I guess, guys that are just more vertical in terms of John Ross and Marvin Hall and guys like that. I would probably choose to go on the offensive line. I think that might be their biggest glaring weakness. Mm -hmm. And it's not even necessarily a weakness, I would say, but the one spot that I would just love to see them upgrade and try to go find that true stud. And for me, that's got to be guard Larry Warford. I mean, this is a guy I've wanted in the draft years ago. I can't recall what school he went to now. Oh, it was Kentucky. He went to Kentucky. Uh, we liked him a lot on Clan Ram, that forum that I was talking about. I wanted him back then. I remember. You know, he, goes to the, he goes to the Detroit Lions, spends four years actually guarding for Matthew Stafford and playing on that offensive line. So they do have that connection. They do have that friendship, I'm assuming. Eventually goes on to the New Orleans Saints, gets a nice big money deal there, plays really good football there. And then last year, the Saints draft a center in the first round at the tail end. And that was kind of his replacement. And ultimately, they cut him. And he took the year off now due to the whole COVID pandemic. And so, you know, he could be rusty coming back into it. But this is a guy who is one of the better guards in football. He's massive. I think he's like 335 pounds, very talented player. Um, I think he would immediately start over either David Edwards or Austin Corbett, depending on, you know, where the Rams want to place him. And I think he would prove to be a huge upgrade, to be honest with you. Not only that, but I do like the addition of, you know, someone that Stafford already knows. And not just that again, but... You know, with Warford taking the year off, you might be able to squeeze in a guy that, you know, might have to take a little bit less in terms of the money because obviously one, the salary cap is down, but two as well, you know, this is a guy that just took a year off. He might have to settle for a cheaper one-year style deal or something like that. And the Rams could ultimately choose to capitalize on something like that. And so, you know, Warford is my guy, but there are at least a handful of options that I would love to see on the offensive side of the ball. Talking about the other side of the ball, the defense You know, the Rams are likely going to lose a lot of good players on this side of the ball. Some potential starters, guys like John Johnson, Leonard Floyd, Troy Hill, all slated to be free agents. And this was the number one defense in football last season. So, you know, it's going to be important to try and rehash that value and try to restock those, you know, cupboards, so to speak. So my man, Max, who do you got on this side of the ball? So, so I know you saw this man's five sack performance in week 14 against the Giants. I'm talking, of course, about Hassan Reddick, the edge rusher who's been playing in Arizona for such a long time. Uh, it, it took the Cardinals four years to work out what to do with this man. Like, this is a physical specimen. And for some reason, the Cardinals were like, okay, cool, we're going to take what he does best and not do it, which is rush the passer. And those final four weeks of 2020 where he... Like, he got it figured out. The Cardinals put him in position to make plays. Damn, like, that's what I want to bet on. And for their part, the Rams have become kind of a rehabilitation center for, like, wayward pass rushes, looking to come off the edge and take advantage of a defense that has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the back end. You know, uh, Floyd Fowler, 
I'm eyeing off a guy like Reddick as the kind of prove it deal guy who might check you into Rams rehab in uh, in 2021. I like that. You know, I like that um, the phrase you just used. That's that's very fascinating. It's very true as well. And that's a guy I would love to add. I mean, Reddick is like you mentioned, obviously a very talented guy. I think the Cardinals might have picked him top 13, top 10, something like that. I can't remember exactly where he went. Very talented. And he's a bit of a tweener. You know, they don't know if they want to play him outside as a pass rusher, inside as an off-ball linebacker, a little bit of both. Kind of, you know, that question we have of today's NFL, a lot of linebackers, you don't really know where to put them. Ultimately, they found a way to use him this past season. And like you said, he was absolutely dominant. I would love that. And ironically enough, I'm going to stick at the edge spot as well. I'm going to go with a bit of you know, a veteran actually. And I would love to see a guy like Reddick. I think there are at least maybe 10 edge rushers off the top of my head that I would love in this free agent class because it's absolutely stacked. And, you know, ultimately I think it's probably fair to expect Leonard Floyd moving on with the year he had and the potential market that's going to arise for him. For me, the guy I would really love to see the Rams try and add is Melvin Ingram, you know, and I've mentioned him here in the past week or two. Veteran, he's 32 years old going into this season, or 33, one of those. Uh, he already plays in Los Angeles. He wouldn't really have to move anywhere. He plays in the same stadium. He used to play for the Chargers, obviously. He spent like a decade or so with them. One of the most underrated pass rushers, edge rushers, edge players in football over the last decade. His sack numbers have been about average, you know, above average, maybe some years with seven, eight sacks, some higher end years with 10, 10 and a half. And then this past season, which was kind of a nightmare-ish season for him, He only played in seven games and he had zero sacks. So, you know, this is ultimately a guy I think may have to settle for a one-year deal. And I think that we could see free agents ultimately choose to do that because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the salary cap could skyrocket a little bit again going into next year. So why not take that one-year deal right now, play it cheap and, you know, try to rehash your value, especially for a guy like Ingram who couldn't stay healthy last season, didn't really have any statistics. Take that one-year deal, play next to Aaron Donald. Like you mentioned, Dante Fowler got a whole lot of money for playing next to him. Leonard Floyd presumably is now going to get a large bag for playing next to him. Why not just switch sides, play for the Rams, you played for the Chargers, take that one-year deal, take a little bit less, go play next to the best player in football in Aaron Donald, run up some numbers, man. I'm I'm telling you, this is a guy who's significantly better than Leonard Floyd was coming to the Rams then Dante Fowler was coming to the Rams. And both of these guys were like eight, nine, 10, 11 sack guys with the Rams. And they were far less talented than Ingram is. And, you know, if the Rams can go get a guy that's very established like that, you know, I think the sky's the limit ultimately. And that would obviously fill a need if the Rams ultimately do lose Leonard Floyd in free agency, which I think a lot of people are probably expecting at this point in time. My man, Max, I appreciate you for hopping on, joining me. It was a long time coming. This was a decade plus it's always nice to tap in with other people, get you know. the opinions of other people, you know, and start 